0: All right, here we go. Uh Hello everybody. Wait, hold on. All right, we're going to do a podcast in 3, 2. Hello everybody. It's the birth of a new era. And by birth, I mean, literally, there was a birth yesterday. I wasn't involved. I was in the waiting room. Uh, So I'm super (laughs) excited that that baby is in the world, and I can now rejoin, and we can finally do an episode of Let's Talk About Thrones, about two of what I thought were some of the greatest episodes that have ever been in Game of Thrones, the kinds of episodes you wait for your, your entire show run to get, and... Whether anyone agrees or disagrees with me, that's what we're about to find out. Uh, so joining me, Jenny Josephson, um, podcaster and uh, mother-in-law wrangler and all sorts of fun things uh, that I do, uh, is Sarah Richard of... Wait, wait, wait. River- I thought I
1: was Lord Commander Richard. Lord y- yeah.
0: Commander Richard of the Night's Watch. So great. I forgot he got promoted. Uh, (laughs) Joining us uh, today, uh, very important that he's here because we are going to be talking about the North and Beyond the Wall quite a bit. Uh, And of course, we have Sir Anthony of the recent birthday. Super exciting. Happy birthday. So happy to have you on the program. And I forget where in Westeros you are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's go uh, Sir Anthony from the God's Eye because I think that's where it's going to end up.
0: That is cool. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. I know, a little foreshadowing right. there. So, without further ado, we're going to be talking about two episodes uh, today, which is uh, Eastwatch um, and Beyond the Wall. So, I'm going to try to do these in the way we normally do them, which is we talk about whole chunks of characters who group together, scenes Related scenes in both of these episodes back to back. So you get like the whole, for two episodes, you get the whole development in one chunk. I'm probably going to fail, but I know Richard will help me. Um,
1: (laughs) She meant to to say she knows Richard will butt in if it's not good. That's right,
0: but that's help. (laughs) I accept help in all forms. Okay, so uh, let's start where the first episode starts um, because it's sort of uh, a very important character moment um, in this chunk. So you start with a scenic, peaceful lake, some smoke rising from the distance, and then all of a sudden, bleh, <laughs> Sir Braun pulls Jamie Lannister and his heavy golden hand out of the, bo- the, the bog, you know, this lake, after the Battle of the Blackwater Rush, um, and, well, that the, I don't know if they call it the bath the Battle of the Backwater Rush. I think it was actually the, the the, what they call this. There was a name for it that was cool. It's basically the dragon roasting on the reach or whatever. <laughs> anyway, so so, um, you know, Bron yells at Jamie a little bit. Jamie says, "Look, um, we're in a lot of trouble," and. Uh, Jamie's like, "Oh God, now I have to tell Cersei their armies were destroyed." And Bronn's like, "You should probably jump back on the river." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bronn is the man. What I want more than anything that I I probably may not get, but I might get. Here's who I'd like to see talk together: Bronn, Sir Davos, and like who are who's the other earthy character? Uh. I don't know, but I'd like one more earthy character to show up. Like, they're the earthy realists, and I like them. Anyway, um, so now we get to sort of a really pivotal character moment, and it, it's interesting. Usually these people would all be in different scenes, but actually, now all their scenes are starting to flow together. So you've got Tyrion Lannister, who's the victor on the field of battle along with his Queen Daenerys, but he doesn't feel very victorious, right? Because he's basically looking at his own soldiers. He's looking right. at Um, people who he's known and people who've paid tribute to him and like the Tarleys, Randall Tarley and his son Dickon. And, um, you know, Daenerys is basically like, look, I'm not a monster. Kneel before me and I will spare your life. Some do. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody wants to do that.
2: No. No. Some do immediately. Some are like, oh, hell yeah. Okay. I see the writing on the wall. I'm done.
0: And then some of them have to be yelled at by a dragon, and then they go. But remains the stubborn, grumbly, rumbly Randall Tarly, and you know Dickon, like you know, is just doing whatever he thinks is right. And everybody, literally everybody, tries to get them to kneel. It's like, come on! And especially Tyrion, because Randall Tarly is an important figure, especially now that um, uh, what's her face is gone, Elenna Tyrell. Yep. And, uh, like, it would be nice to have a Tarly around, you know, and he doesn't even know that's John Snow's best friend's dad. Right. Uh, and says, like, go to the wall. And Randall says, she has no authority to send me to the wall. And it's like, fine. And Dickon, right, uh, jumps in and now everybody's really horrified because nobody wants to kill this young knight. Right. And, and, and they won't even put them in jail and it's just like ultimately they get barbecued
1: both yeah, of and them. Tyrion tries to convince Danny to you know let the younger Tarly live let let him carry on the name of the house mm-hmm. don't kill them both and she's determined that no you are going to pledge your su- support and allegiance or you're going to die he needs she needs to set an example or so she believes so, yeah, she does. They get fried. Immediately, everyone else kneels.
0: Yeah, end of story. Yeah. You know who else, though? And this is really interesting. You know who is now in line to... De- de- to Thornhill. Sorry. In- inherit Thornhill House Tarly? It ain't even Sam.
2: No, because he's taken the black, so he's renounced all titles.
0: It's Craster's kid. Yeah. If he marries Gilly... And and normalizes Craster's kid. Uh, Craster's kid is going to be the head of Thornhill someday. Anyway, that's a long step, but I just thought it was interesting. Now, there's, okay. still,
2: there's still a um, sister I'm not gonna there. I'm going to try and map that out. Yeah, there's there's still a sister there that might have some sort of claim, but it, it gets really messy really quick. So Thornhill is kind of uh, shambles. It's thorny.
0: Yeah. It's thorny.
1: Ah, there you go.
0: Not to mention that Jon Snow, future super ally of these um, Targaryens, or, or Tyrion, and they're tentatively allying, uh, they just barbecued his friend's dad. Now, it wasn't the best relationship, but still, that sucks. Um, so now we reach a fork in the road, and it would be equally uh, logical to follow what happens next with Jamie and Cersei, or follow what happens next with John with uh, Tyrion and Daenerys. So you tell me, which way are we going? Oh, this gets so messy. Right. See? That's why it still has to be done almost bit by bit, because there's no longer um, really a... Alright, here, I'm going to make an executive decision. Almost everything that happens in the next episode involves one set of characters. So, they're Almost, Like, really, it's just, like, back and forth between two different places. So I'm going to argue. Let's just go through them. Let's break the rules.
1: Let's go through it. But but I think we can probably break away from that when we hit Arya and Sansa, because that's one storyline that's kind of biased. Carries
0: through. Okay. So let's go to Old Town briefly. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the information that Sam Tarly literally already inherently knows, is catching up from other sources. And in this sense, I am reasonably on the side of the maesters, right? And they're like, we don't just take one person's word. We take lots of words, right? But they don't really understand that they're dealing with like the super flu or you know, like, the end of the world, or zombies. Like, they're still thinking it's, like, some crisis, like, there's always been a crisis. It,
2: it, it strikes me as odd that as little faith as they have in the histories, they have really strong faith that it'll all work out.
0: Well, right, because right. of the histories, really. Right,
1: and that's what I don't understand, because I was under the impression that if anyone knew that these things were real, they would know that. But am I yeah. wrong?
2: Well, it's just been so long that they, they have relegated it to Flights of Fancy because they have all this other data that doesn't show anything about those White Walkers and such. So, Got it. Right. Okay. You know, it, it's, it's like, that thing where you If have, I told you...
0: Oh, sorry. Go I was going to say,
2: it's, it's that thing where you have ultimate uh, ultimate proof of something, but that proof is, it, as it ages, it loses potency.
0: So okay. basically the entirety of the Fear of the Walking Dead first season. <laughs> like nobody was like, They're not zombies. Uh so um so now the Maesters are reading Bran Stark's message and uh Sam is like, But it's true. I saw him in the wild and he survived out there and You know, then they just do this sort of lawyerly thing, like, well, we're going to have to investigate, and things are going to have to happen, and they're going to happen at the pace of a thousand years, and blur, blur, blur.
1: And he has had enough.
0: Sam has a fit. (laughs) It's one of those fits that people have when they fucking know they're right. Yeah. And they have no patience for people who move at a scholarly pace. This is not a scholarly issue. This is an issue of survival of basically the known world. Right. Um, and, and it's so, it's not
2: necessarily waiting to see the, all the evidence. It's the their uh, lack of willingness to start delving into the archives to start yeah. gathering the information they already have. They're yeah. it's not just waiting for new information. They they have all this information that they're not even willing to consider until they get something else corroborating it. Like, come
0: on, yeah. Hey,
2: that sounds like our court system. Anyway,
0: <laughs> so yeah. Well, it's true. So now. Uh, An interesting thing happens, which is Sam storms out. And this is one of those things where, you know, enough time has passed that someone has gotten a raven from the Reach to Old Town. Because one of the Archmaesters said, is that the kid whose father and brother were burned alive? And the Archmaester says, yeah, but I I haven't had the heart to tell him.
1: And this is the point where Richard's like, holy shit, I never tied that together.
0: Yep. (laughs) And that's fair, because I wouldn't have tied it together either, really. Um, So then, later that night, they're doing the Gilly Reads. And by the way, can we just have a moment for Gilly? Like, Gilly is so great, because she basically grew up beyond the wall in a horrible, incestuous, rapey house of torture. And now she's reading, which she was never allowed to do. And she's in, intuiting, and she's like, she's just having like Gilly is living her best possible life
1: and loving it. She's like, oh, did you it. know? Did you know that this thing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like when when someone learns to read. It's like the power of when someone learns to read for the first time, especially someone for who's lived a lot, a decent part of their life, and all of their their life has just been like what's in front of their eyes. Like to know that there's other things is just amazing. I, I right? like so th-
2: I like in yeah. in the, in Gilly's little little part where she's talking she actually reveals like one of the biggest things of the entire show one of the Uh most major facts and sam blows it off and he does it in a way and i don't know if this is intentional i'm I'm assuming it was because the craftsmanship of the show he does it in a way that unless you're expecting it or you're listening specifically for a key name you completely miss what she's saying Because Sam talks over her. That would be me. Yes. Yeah,
0: okay, so let me break it down for you. So Gilly is reading some old High Septon's diary of all the books that Sam is supposed to retranscribe. And she says, did you know that there was a High Septon that issued an annulment for a prince, and she calls it Ragger, which is a great way for you to know that it's not Prince Rhaegar Targaryen, Mm -hmm. so that he could marry another woman in Dorne, and that the marriage indicates that any child of Rhaegar may have had with his new wife, who we think we know who that is, are his true born children, which is super duper important. Hmm. Um, and the they are just bickering, right? Because Gilly doesn't know how important that is. And Sam is just like pissed off and annoyed. Um, and then he's like more mad that he has to talk about the bowel movement. Um, so so then he basically pulls a Harry Potter, goes into the restricted section, takes one last look at all the life he could have had. Right. And then, uh, Sam says, look, I'm tired of reading about the achievements of better men. Wait, he grabs
1: a handful of scrolls in the forbidden area.
0: Yeah. And goes the fuck out into the night. My only question
2: with this is... Did Sam already have an idea of what he was looking for, or did he literally just walk around grabbing random shit? Because there's nothing. There's not. There's no library catalog.
0: You yeah, know? which is crazy, by the way. <sighs> it anyway. looked random. Yeah. Anyway, it, it really did. Uh, in
2: which, in which case, it makes it even more surprising the information that he finds in the random stuff he grabbed. Okay. Yeah. Because then it's all by chance or by fate. Right.
0: So I'm going to do this in a particular order for a reason, um, so bear with me. So that actually concludes for for this season, season seven, uh, uh, Old Town. We, we have no more Old Town to do, uh, uh, for the most part, until... Because, um, because Sam
2: and Gilly pack up and head out. They're, they grab, they're, they're out. They're gone. They're out. Deuces.
0: So now I'm going to go back for a moment to King's Landing, okay? And Jaime Lannister... Like limps in the door, right? And he, Jamie, is like negative Nancy here. Like, Jamie's like, you know, all I did was piss off the dragon. Uh, we don't. We lost our army. Uh, you know, and then basically, uh, he gives her the the the, the shocker <coughs> of all shockers. Is that it wasn't Tyrion that killed Joffrey; it was Olenna Tyrell. And that is a big one.
2: And at first, Cersei and- doesn't believe him. She's like, "No, she was just Ty- Olenna was just saying whatever she needed to because she'd already taken the poison you so graciously gave her." And right, yeah. towards the end, he, she understands his conviction. I think, and she finally realizes that you know it doesn't matter. Tyrion's still yeah. a beast and a and a worthless part of the family.
0: Yeah, so n- she's she's not refusing any she's not accepting any good information. Um so okay, so I screwed up. I shouldn't have done this, but that's okay. Um <laughs> uh later Bron takes Jamie down to like allegedly practice uh you know by the dragons and but in the in the red keep. And all I'm going to say, and then I'm going to go kind of like skip back a little, is that he meets someone he did not expect.
1: Yeah, this is true. We, I think we can have this discussion as long as we don't take it beyond that conversation and the fallout with Cersei.
0: Yes. Okay. You do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just have to go, all right, hold on, hold on. We're having a problem here. Uh, Basically, uh, Tyrion has shown up in King's Landing after a scene you've previously seen that we did not talk about because I screwed up and picked the wrong path, but for good reason. Uh, And Tyrion's like, yo, we got to talk, bro. And, uh, you know, like, I don't want everybody to die. And... So-and-so-and-so-and-so.
2: Th- this is really so- ingenious because Braun takes Jaime down disarmed because he just has his training sword. So Tyrion has a little bit more of a chance to survival if Jaime does attack him. Yes. You know, and, and then they have this conversation and Braun just abruptly leaves. He's like, okay, I'm out. Peace.
0: Yeah, and Braun's like, well, I did what I was supposed to do, um, which is very dangerous for him too, which is really interesting. So now Davo... Uh, uh, uh Tyrion is not the only person who showed up in King's Landing, right? Uh Davos took him. Mm-hmm. And Davos has an errand of his own and he would like to go check on someone who he feels he did wrong by, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's good old Gendry. Arya's and this buddy
1: threw me by surprise again. Like I I didn't have it in my head. I I I couldn't imagine who did he need to see if he accompanied Tyrion to King's Landing. What was the point of that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, uh, he's he went with Tyrion for obvious reasons because he knows how to smuggle things into and out of King's Landing.
1: Sure, but once sure. he
2: said, I, even I forgot. I was like, why is what? What? Aaron does he have? What's going on with right? T- yeah. what, what exactly? And then he he starts then, going through Fleet Bottom, and I was like, oh, that's right.
1: And yeah. I still didn't even get it then. But then I see, I see, is it Gendry or Gendry? Gendry. 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 Yep. And Harchy. I don't first recognize him because it's literally been years.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I realized who he is. And I've just, I, I think this scene is so well, well played when he's like, all right, I'm in. Let's go.
2: Yeah, take, yeah. As soon as he finds out the Red Woman's not there, he's like, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's
2: get the fuck out of here. And he has an inherent trust with Davos because Davos is the one that, that got him the boat to basically tell him to row. Um, yeah. And just keep rowing. So...
1: Yeah. And he's like, well, you're going to need a sword. He's like, no, I'm not much of a swordsman. I'm better with a hammer.
2: Yeah. And he pulls out this massive hammer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really great because Gendry is the kind of character that is just like, I know what, who I am. I've been stewing here in Flea Bottom for years, wondering what my destiny is. My destiny just walked in the door and I'm ready to roll. And then we get this great scene of uh, Davos and Gendry preparing to leave, right, in the boat. They're down by the boat again. The boat that came in from Dragonstone that you don't know about because we haven't talked about it yet. (laughs) Uh, And... Davos is just doing his, like, I'm a common smuggler, and I know exactly what to do here. And he's talking about fermented crab, and it's all really funny, and all of it is going wonderfully well until the most wanted dwarf in all the world shows up at the same moment, and things go awry, and Gendry proves his worth.
1: Oh, yeah. And that hammer turns out to be a pretty effective weapon.
0: Yeah. To which, of course, uh, Tyrion says... He'll do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I feel like we need to backtrack a little bit with Tyrion, right? Well, but
0: there's one more scene in... See? This is why this doesn't work anymore.
1: I know this is so complicated.
0: There's one more scene in King's Landing, which is that uh, Jaime enters Cersei's chambers.
2: Even before that. Because, you, because...
0: Richard, remember last week? Remember last episode when I was literally like, I want to go chronologically and you said no? So now I'm <laughs> trying to do the thing you wanted to do and you're telling me to do it another way? I have a problem with this. You go! <laughs> I tried to do it your way and I bunked it up.
1: No, because no, it's so complicated. This stuff is so intertwined. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. But we, we have we have this scene and I, I think you alluded to it, but we never discussed that when, when Jamie goes down and, and Brown, uh, Brown kind of leaves him. It's Tyrion who's down there and they have this weird kind of reunion where they don't know if they can trust each other. And, uh, Tyrion's basically there to ask for a favor of all things. And, you know, uh, you'd think that Jamie isn't really in the kind of mood to be helping out Tyrion right, right. now, but at least he knows for sure that he did not kill uh, uh, his son. He yep. still killed his father, but you know, deservedly so, so.
2: What's that? Deservedly so.
1: Oh yeah, he points out deservedly, uh, but because <laughs> you know he was going to have me killed. He's a monster, but he's or there. He thought I was a monster. Yeah,
2: but he's there to request an audience.
1: Yeah, uh, we really think that, uh, you know, Danny would like to see Cersei.
0: Because there are bigger things afoot. Yeah. Than their little booty booties. And since Jamie is so influenced by how devastating those dragons are, you know, we agree. Essentially, he listens.
2: Jenny, you're totally off mic right now.
1: I'm well, sorry. she's so pissed off that I took over the conversation, she's not even going to talk in her mic anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, essentially, uh, uh, he, Jamie, instead of immediately killing his brother with his bare hands, which I'm sure he could do, especially since one of his bare hands is gold, um, he decides to listen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, hey, look at that. He's actually being smart. Good for Jamie. Mm-hmm. Well, they, Every mm-hmm. once in a while, he makes some decent decisions.
2: So, he, yeah. He, the the Dragon Queen wants an audience right after Jaime is convinced that they can't win against the Dragon Queen. So this is like perfect timing on Tyrion's part, which I'm sure came into his plans and the whole reason he wanted to do it in the first place. But it lays out very nicely and it plays out exactly as it should. One of the few storylines that just, hey, this is how it should play out. And it does.
0: Mm-hmm. So then, let me just finish out King's Landing here. Yeah, no, th- this okay. is the
1: time to go back here and okay. oh, this scene. Oh.
0: This scene, oof. So basically, Jamie walks in and says, I met with Tyrion. He wants to, Daenerys, Cer- Cersei's like, does she want to negotiate a surrender? And uh, Jamie's like, no, actually, <laughs> well, actually, there's this army <laughs> of the dead, and it's coming for all of us, and we should help each other out so we don't all die. And then Cersei's like, I don't fucking care. And she's basically like, I know Braun organized the meeting. Nothing happens here I don't know about. Um, you know, I know you just basically betrayed me. Right? And also, P of S, I'm pregnant.
1: Yeah. So, two, two bombs there. One, that she knew about the meeting with Tyrion, and she's mm-hmm. pissed. Pissed! And two conveniently enough, she's pregnant.
0: Yes. Now, conveniently enough is very true because there's a part of me as a noted watcher of soap operas that's like, are you fucking really? Right, exactly, exactly. Did you have sex once and you got pregnant at age 40-what-what? Yeah. (laughs) Now, I'm sure Kyburn has just as many, uh, his, his old tower, his... You know, his weird maester version of IVF or whatever. But still, she's already had three kids, all of whom have at least come to teenager And she's going to have another baby? Fine. I'll buy that. But I'm going to buy that it happened right away. Like on yeah. the first shot, literally.
2: J- Jenny, whatever. Jenny, you're doing too many women's podcasts. And also, I know. this is com- really conveniently set up because Kyburn is leaving as Jamie gets there. And he's like, well, what's Kyber doing here? And then she mentions that she's pregnant and Jamie immediately flips and is like, Did Kyburn say whose it was? Ooh. And you know Cersei says it's yours. And that was like, Okay, well how would Kybern know that? But she's already preloaded that answer. So maybe either he's the only person she's been having sex with or it's just goes further into the setup that it's a fake. So yeah. either way, um yeah, that's interesting to, to, to ponder.
1: Yeah. yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe any of it. None of it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you and about half the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a plan because she's pissed. And she just wasn't having this thing where Jamie's going off doing whatever the hell he wants to without listening to her. Yeah, He wants her. He, she wants him under her control. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So I'm going to go back for a second to Dragonstone. Oh, yeah. We totally need to. Yeah. So this is a little earlier in the episode chronologically, but it makes sense, trust us, bear with us. Um Jon Snow is uh this is like also clearly previous in time. Jon Snow is like doing his cloak on the on the cliff pacing thing, right? And then all of a sudden Danny shows up in her stretch limo dragon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Drogon it's like the significance in this scene is so unreal, because not only is it the kids meeting the potential <coughs> boyfriend, um, <laughs> right? For the first time, but also maybe something else, because Drogon literally roars straight in the face of John, and John's like, "Ha!" Ah! and lets him touch.
2: Drogon's face.
0: Drogon's face. He lets yeah. him touch his face. And and, and everything you uh, need
2: to know about that is witnessed in Dany's face as she's watching this happen.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was wonderful. It was such a good moment. And I'm watching the scene and I'm feeling all emotional about it. And you see her and you see their eyes and you see the dragon's expression. And then I'm like, oh, right, that's CG. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, you
1: just get so pulled into it, and there's almost
2: yeah. almost a purr underlying underlying the uh, the sound effects here too.
0: Yep. So it it's, so great.
2: Yeah, it's just it's really and as a stepfather, I can tell you that's an amazing moment when you're when you're your soon to be kids, your stepkids or whatever, finally accept you as 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 a parental authority figure. It's it's a great moment, and this really relayed that perfectly. Yeah. Very very cool.
0: And also, another double meaning, yeah. in which also he might actually be able to be. And we haven't really talked about this so much. Cause, it's cause, quite possible. Because it's
2: full-fledged revealed in the next episode. Yeah. It's like, so I'm it's not going to talk about if you it. you haven't put the pieces together, it's given to you in the next episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: but, I think you're, you're sneaking enough to me there. So yeah. we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk
0: about it. But I just want to say, one thing I just want to say is, it seems possible Daenerys Targaryen is not the only person... That will be able to ride a dragon,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I I totally get that.
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay. And there, there could yes. be as many as two more, but anyway, we will. So continue.
0: <laughs> then, uh, they have a little chat. Dragon flies off. They have a little chat. Danny does her cool little slide down the dragon thing. Uh, and she wants to know, like, what does it mean that you took a heart, a knife in the heart, for your people, and instead of saying. Uh, what really actually happened, which is he took a knife in the heart for his people. Uh, da- uh, he says, oh, you know, Davos, he just embellishes things and she's going to probably push further. But then uh, her, f- like, you know how, like, if you're a young lady and you're of a teenage age and you really have a crush on one of your dad's friends and uh, but that's never going to work out. And also, he oh, betrays- you mean Jora? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh boyfriend number 1 who's not really a boyfriend more of like a uh your dad's crush your dad's friend crush uh shows back up and John's like what is going on here because there's a lot of unspoken stuff running under the surface and um everybody's very happy to see each other but Jora's looking at John and John's looking at Jora and John's like god Jora's like i was gone for one second and there's like another guy <laughs>
1: She was almost professing her love to me just a couple episodes ago yeah. and now this guy sweeps in
0: without yeah. Grey Mange on his Donkus and <laughs> 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 uh so then uh <laughs> the next thing you see is a classic Tyrion Varys scene where the two of them are like Trying to convince each other that they're not working for the Mad Queen, right? Because they're like, was it really smart to burn the Tarleys alive? And that's not great. And they, they, it's like one of those things where they just keep trying to convince themselves that everything is okay. And of course, they get Brand's message from the North. And there's a cute little bit about them having read it. And really, these scenes are just like little diamonds.
1: And, I mean, Bran's message from the North comes after, like, this... I I feel like it wasn't even 30 seconds Mm -hmm. where we see Bran basically in flight over the wall, seeing masses of White Walkers on the move. Mm -hmm. And so, so... Suddenly, that message has made it to Dragonstone. Man, the communications in this world are really efficient.
0: Yes. Um, can I have permission to go back to Dragonstone right now before we finish the rest of this episode? Would that be okay? Okay. Uh,
1: are we still in Dragonstone? <laughs> yeah. No,
0: sorry, not Dragonstone. The Winterfell. <laughs> oh yeah, go for it. All right, good. All right, we're briefly going to take a break from this scene, and we're going to go to Winterfell because some things happen, and it's important, but they're not episode endy important things. So, uh, we're back at Winterfell. Bran is warging into a flock of ravens, as was just mentioned, and he sees an army of the dead. And they are yep. traveling south towards the castle that is at the end of the wall by the sea, which is called East Watch by the Sea. And then the Night King sees the ravens and uh, bumps Bran out of his warging. So then you have another scene at Winterfell. Where Arya's watching Sansa be in charge. And then there's like this weird, like, uh, thing I've never fully understood about this particular plot development. Which is that Arya gets all up in Sansa's face. Like, you like ruling. Jon's the ruler, but maybe you're going to try to be the ruler. And uh, you really like it. And you if you wanted the Northern Lords to support you, you could get it. And I would kill you. Uh, and so, I, what I can't tell right here, are they really arguing?
2: Or is it a show?
1: Do you think they Richard? are? No, right. I think they are arguing. And I I mean, I think what ends up happening then, as a result of the tension between them, then Littlefinger sees an opportunity to drive even further a wedge between the two girls.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and and I think uh, after rewatching this and seeing several other people's opinions about it, I really think this is Arya just pressing the button on Sansa to see where Sansa's loyalties lie. She hmm. this is this is Arya sizing up Sansa's ambition because keep in mind if now that now that Arya knows John's still alive and he's still kicking and now he's the king of of the North and stuff, that's her loyalties are going to lie with John, not with Sansa, because. John has always been there for her. So now, I think this is Arya pressing Sansa to find out where Sansa's ambitions really go.
0: Yes. And so, let's just say, at this moment, we believe that this is unfolding legitimately without other purpose. Yes. Okay. Um, All right. So now we go back. Let's go back to Dragonstone. Do we want to wrap up Arya? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. Um, I I thought... Alright, so basically, then Arya watches Peter Baelish uh, talk to the maester, receive a a, a raven scroll, hide the raven scroll. Then uh, Arya—Peter leaves his chambers. Arya comes back and finds the scroll, reads it, and it's like this sort of like—it would be like uh, the Westeros version of damning PR— Right where it's like Sansa wrote a letter under duress from Cersei to save save Ned Stark, and it's not it doesn't look good in the present, the way that old things don't look good in the present, right? Yep. And so Arya sees this, and uh, then as it turns out, it's all a ploy by Littlefinger to further separate the sisters because, as we know, chaos is a letter.
1: Right? Yeah, and you know he's like lurking around, and you see him actually watching Arya kind of find stuff and watching the two of them. So you can tell that he's just kind of puppeting a little bit. Yeah. But this does put more tension between Arya and Sansa and so Arya ends up confronting Sansa about
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: And more arguing.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Um, there, Do you think, and I'm asking this question to Anthony, do you think currently that Arya is behaving with only one motivation right now?
2: Mm, I, I, I do, because I think Arya is just trying to find out exactly who's playing who and where the game is. She wants to know who's in charge of what and what's going on. And that's why she, she challenged Sansa's uh, ambitions. That's why she started following Littlefinger. I think she's just suspicious that that Littlefinger's there at all, and she wants to know more about his, how he's playing Sansa and what Sansa's ambitions are. So that's where I think this whole thing sits, as it is in the story right now.
0: Okay. that I'm asking these questions for a reason. Okay. So, back to Dragonstone for real this time. So we get the scene that we've already sort of referenced, which is... They're like, okay. they're all around this painted table that has the map of Westeros on it. And John gets the news or John shares the news that Bran and Arya have returned to Winterfell and he wants to go home to see them. He did not know he had two other siblings still alive. And that's important. And then uh, he's worried that the dead are getting closer and he won't be there. And then Danny, completely missing the significance of this, and is like, you know, you don't, well, let me get to it in a second. Danny first says, John doesn't have enough men to fight, and he's like, fine, join me. And then she's like, I can't, because Cersei will take advantage of it. And then, um, uh, what's the best way to put this? Uh, Tyrion thinks, well, what if we try to prove to Cersei that these things are real? And this is, like, the part where it becomes a Scooby-Doo episode. Because <laughs> it's like, we have to go, we got to capture a thing, we got to bring a thing to a person, to prove, to buh to brr, Right? And so, then, uh, they have to, so, like, step one is they have to get into Tyrion into King's Landing, which we've seen that they have achieved. Uh, step two is Jorah says he'll go north, Right. And get a white. And John says, well, I have to tell you where they are. And then Danny does this thing. which you think is stubborn and pigheaded, but it turns out for a different reason <laughs> where you thought she was going to say, I haven't given you permission to leave because it's my island and I want you to bend the knee to which John is like, listen, honey. You know, but it, it actually becomes a little clear that she doesn't want to leave because she kind of likes him. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, I think as soon as she says that, that's when the light bulb went on for me. Mm-hmm. Not earlier at the scene where John and Drogon were bonding, but because her reaction to that could well have been largely about Drogon, yes. right? Not about John. But when she doesn't want him to leave, it, it, it became obvious to me, oh, this isn't her being a, in command or him being under her rule anymore. She doesn't want him to leave her.
0: Yeah, they like each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that even the first time I ever watched this, I had picked up from this from the moment that... Bugger stepped on the island, but <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: that that is my particular radar. So there you go.
2: Real, uh, real quick, before we leave and, Dragonstone, I just want to mention that in the scene with Tyrion and Varys, this is yeah. the first time you ever see Varys take a drink of wine. Interesting. When they get the news from mm. Bran, he reaches over and grabs Tyrion's cup, takes a drink, and then Tyrion has to refill it. And it's a subtle little thing, but it kind of shows where Varys is right now. Like he's. He doesn't have any other plans. This is, you know, all his eggs are in this basket. So.
0: Yeah. And also, like, Var- Varys' skill set is dealing with flawed humans, not purple and white frozen humans. So, like, you're now getting out of the realm that he can control. So, okay. So, John is basically like, look, honey, <laughs> I hear you, but I am the king in the north. And I was... I, I trusted you. I came here. Now you have to trust me. And I, I found this scene just so compelling and awesome. And then she's finally like, fine. So then, a little bit of a, a time skip, right? But we're still in the same location. And Davos and Tyrion have now returned with Gendry to Dragonstone. They've gone. They've done the thing with Jamie, They're back. And they go into the dragonglass mines. And like a good dad... It's it's like that great scene in The Lord of the Rings where um, Gandalf turns to Pippin and is like, okay, we're going to see a very powerful person. Don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. Don't say this. And then literally Pippin says all of it. So it's like a cute little echo of this (laughs) scene in which Davos is like, okay, don't burden him with a lot of information. Just tell him you're here to help. Right? But not in that accent. Um, And immediately, Gendry's like, okay, okay. Okay, and then he strides in like literally the Marlboro Man, except with more words. And he says, "Hey, my dad was your dad's best friend. Let's party." (laughs) And John's John's like a little bit like blinking a little bit, but it's clear that they get along. Yeah, uh, because they're like two young guys, and they're both very straightforward. and yeah, so Gendry joins the mission to go north.
2: And this is just part of Gendry. Not he's not sitting on the side anymore. He's not no. hiding. He's not like he owns who he is. He's had probably years, you know, mm-hmm. at least a couple years to develop his thoughts and, and work through all that he's heard and all that he knows. And he mm-hmm. he wants to make his place. He's he's not you know even if he dies, he's not going to go down in a slump, and he's not going to hide.
0: Yeah, so that was pretty cool.
2: So Gendry becomes a real character.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, that's actually super true. Is that uh, Gendry wasn't really a real character until just this these last couple of scenes, and I think that's really nice. Um, and so then, uh, basically, they all all the bros get in a boat, and they push this boat out. And uh, Jorah's also going, and he just got back. And Danny's like, don't die. Uh, And there's definitely still some, like, some warmth there. Um, So you're getting a sense, like, uh, maybe it's not all over for Jorah. Uh, Yeah,
1: more more from him than from her.
0: Yeah, clearly. Like, she's sort of, like, technically moved beyond. But, like, she still likes him enough to be, like... Uh I like you. <laughs> so anyway, uh they all get off in a boat. and They go off into the sea and they end up in a particular place, which is li- literally if you thought the Night's Watch Castle Black was grim, welcome to Eastwatch by the sea, which is basically <laughs> a, a mud hut on ladders. Um but inside that mud hut, proving that everything is relative, you have Torman, Giants Bane, um, who is uh got the nicest probably house he's ever had. Um and Torman's like, what's this now? There's another queen. Uh and you know John's explaining everything to him. And Davos says, I'm gonna stay here. And then Torman's like, Well, it's funny you should mention going beyond the wall, because you're not the only ones who wanna do it. And then we get this great scene that I love. <laughs> Which is um, uh, Beric Dondarrion, Thoros of Myr, and Sandor Clegane are all lying in a cell and uh, uh, cooling their heels, and everybody's go- without going into it in great detail. Everybody's got history, like it's like that <laughs> right. thing where you see old yearbooks, and you're like, "Oh, those people are real," and they all have their own stories. That's what happens in this one scene.
1: Right. They all, yeah. they all showed and, up at the supermarket at the same time. We don't really have time to go into it, but the web of relationships and antagonism between all these different people is kind of fascinating. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and the only way that it all ends, all this little bickering, is because John says, uh, we're all on the same side. And which yeah. side is that? If you're alive. We're all breathing. Yeah. you know, And it's yeah. like, okay, well, that that kind of, That's the staple. All right, let's go.
1: Literally, that is the differentiator, right? Like, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: If you're breathing, you're on the same team. And that, uh, pretty much, except for some dramatic, you know, they walk down, they go out beyond the gate, and they are on the way to have their Scooby-Doo adventure, which is where we pick up. Actually, that's a lie. We're going to pick up in Winterfell. Uh, so now we're up to this episode, Eastwatch. And, um...
1: Oops, sorry. We've wrapped up Eastwatch. Now we're at yeah, Beyond the Wall.
0: that's totally what I meant. We wrapped up Eastwatch, <laughs> and we're uh, at Beyond the Wall. And let's start a little below the wall at Winterfell. So now Arya Stark and Sansa Stark are continuing to talk about their dad and continuing their little dance of do i trust you or do i not trust you and Arya, it's clear in this moment is at least putting on an act for sansa Mm -hmm. right it's all leading up to the dramatic courtroom reveal of this ravens the the message on a raven that uh Originally ended up in Winterfell because Sansa wrote it at Cersei's command. Yes, suggestion, whatever. So basically, Arya's like, and the 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 scary thing here is like, Arya's a little murder baby. Arya only knows like life and death stuff that she's been taught by the Faceless People. It would not occur to her to care that Sansa was under some kind of duress, even though Sansa says it, and. So they really fight, but Arya's like, you think you're so cool, wait till little Liana Mormont finds out about this. Liana was younger than you when you wrote the letter, but she wouldn't have done it. Right? Which, kind of true.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and, and you also have this thing where they're kind of accusing each other of, oh, you didn't know how bad I had it. You know, kind of having this pissing contest about their respective miserable experiences without going into the details of their miserable experiences so they're just they're missing they're they're not connecting at all they're just Mm -hmm. they are definitely not connecting in their communication
2: now and what no go ahead i was gonna say as, as an only child i may not have a great perspective on this but it seems to me like these are two sisters that have been through a lot of stuff and have flossed over it thus far, and done all the pleasantry things. They're, oh, I'm so happy to see you, blah blah blah. And now they're on the verge of actually getting into all the stuff they've done, and they're. It's almost a pissing match on who's gone through worse. Mm-hmm. But they, it's just, it seems like a very sisterly thing to do. That it, once you've been separated for quite a while, and you both have something to say, but you don't want to say it.
1: Yeah, and I think their reunion kind of foreshadowed this. I mean, their reunion was not all flowery. So this doesn't surprise me. But what does surprise me is that Sansa goes to Peter almost for consolation, trying to find out, well, how did Arya find this thing?
2: Yeah, not knowing it is all set up by Peter. Right, set up by Peter. because
1: I'm a Weasley puppet master. That's why, Oh, that's right. not what he says. I forgot.
2: And, and what he does is he takes away Sansa's best weapon by convincing her that it could go either for her or for Arya, since Brienne is sworn to both of them. And this letter arrives from Cersei inviting Sansa down to King's Landing for an accord, uh, a parlay, if you will. And Peter has the idea, well, send Brienne, get her out of the question so at least we can control the situation. We don't know where Brienne, Brienne would fall if you two were to actually start fighting. And Sansa's like, okay, well, let's do that. And she sends Brienne down in her stead towards uh, King's Landing.
0: And has to yell her out the door, basically.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: Right. Like She has no real interest in going there. Oh, by the way, now he's managed to get rid of really the person most likely to protect them from him
2: right mm-hmm. because she's always been suspicious of little finger doesn't like him thinks he shouldn't be there she's voiced that concern and now she has been removed from the situation by what by by her honor again yeah the honor so now
0: i'm gonna ask this question again i'm gonna ask this question only to anthony is everyone currently acting minus peter baelish who's always acting with 17 intentions is everyone who's a stark only acting with one intention.
2: So, I think this is where things start to flip. I think this is where Sansa and Arya have I think I think we're missing some scenes between them where
0: That's what I'm asking.
2: Yeah, where they've started to reconcile and begin to understand either before or after sending Brian away. And it may be yeah. the conversation about sending Brian away that causes that, that ultimately ends up to where the story goes in the next episode.
0: Okay. So sorry about that, Richard, but this is important for me because actually this is something I don't understand. Something happens here I don't understand. Yeah. And that's all I can say, but I'm grilling Anthony because I want to know I think at some point we need to pin this and come back and yeah. discuss this. At
2: the, okay. The, after we talk the, about next episode, we we should do that. We should go back. We should, and really should come back because
0: I this is like I feel like I know so much about Game of Thrones and I know so much, but this one I really don't know. Yeah. Okay.
2: And and, I, right. and I think this scene was skipped in order for the reveal in the next episode. But that's all I can go into there because I don't want to spoil it for Richard.
0: Yeah. And now well, we do have one final scene with right. Them. And this is important because it's a banana bunker scene. Mm-hmm. It's like a almost like a play,
2: yeah. And so Sansa is in in Arya's room, and she's digging through, trying to find clues, trying to find the letter, really trying to find the scroll so she can take it and and remove it from Arya's, you know, power of dis- of distribution. And she finds Arya's bag of faces. And, of course, as soon as she finds it, Arya just appears out of nowhere, standing three feet behind her, Mm -hmm. and explains, those are the faces, those are the people that I've killed, and that's what allows me to do anything, and I could become you if I wanted to. All I would need is your pretty little face. She pulls out the Valyrian dagger and walks towards Sansa. Sansa is basically dumbstruck. She doesn't know what to do. She's completely helpless in this situation. And Arya flips the knife over and hands it to Sansa. And then walks out. And I think this is the turning point. I think Arya has already made the connections. And this is where she's giving the uh, a, a symbol of friendship towards Sansa. And her walking out. I think there's a scene after that where they discuss everything that's going on. And that's how we come to the revelation that we do. But I think this is the turning point. Because I think Arya has already figured out what's going on.
0: And, okay. Yeah, sorry. This is there's no way to say it but that. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> okay. Let's so, not go
1: any further into that.
0: But let's turn now to the Back guys to the who have as I like to call it, the white stuff.
1: The white stuff? W I okay, That was really really tortured. That was terrible.
0: Dov- no, it's not. If you think of it as W I G H T, the white stuff.
1: Well, now I just want to see them all like walking in through the gate in uh, at the wall in slow motion. That's right, oh, oh, like oh, lined oh, across. Oh, but oh, they don't do oh, that. Oh.
0: No.
2: Oh oh, nope. oh. The white
0: stuff. Uh, <laughs> no. No, I talking about the movie. The right stuff. The right different. stuff. The movie. I'm Not thinking a you young
2: one. I'm thinking Weird Al. I'm sorry. It's just how you're it's way <laughs> too young. My brain way works. way way too young.
0: Oh my god. That was just right. like a references black hole. I love it. Okay. Nope,
1: I got it. I totally got it. All right. So, yeah. So, walk, 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 walk and talk. This is like the the Game of Thrones version of the Sorkin walk and talk.
0: Yep. <laughs> the camera keeps moving from little party to little party as they all get to know each other. But this and, is some
2: of the greatest conversation. Yeah. You got, you got Tormund and the Hound meeting each other and talking about Brienne and the hound hates her, but Tormund is like, oh, you fought her? Oh my God. How was that?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what- and Tormund also making all these uncomfortable sexual references. <laughs> yeah.
0: How do that's you- how you keep yourself warm. Yeah. How do you, how do you stay warm up here? <laughs> Tormund is just like the greatest. Oh, that's the third character that I want in the Braun Davos Tormund. Um, beer drinking marathon. I want the three of those guys to be able to sit down and talk to each other and have a beer because that would be great.
1: Yeah, anyway. I can see that. Yeah.
0: So uh, let, before we get too deep into the details of this hunt on the white, I want to go back to Dragonstone because like, there's this little fireside chat happening between Tyrion and Daenerys that I think actually is going to end up being more important than we realize. But for now, they're just sitting there kind of, like, powerless and being... Daenerys is annoyed, and she's being pissy, right? And you know when you're pissy, you say things that you think are, like, neutral, but they're really, like, knife, knife, bloodletting insults? So, like, Daenerys is like, I'm feeling pissy. Uh, I'm glad you're not a hero, Tyrion. And Tyrion's, like, probably thinking to himself, I mean, I did do the Battle of Blackwater Bay, right? And he's like... <laughs> Like, and then uh, uh, then she compares him to all these other guys who are going off and being noble. And she's like, I don't want you to be noble. And then he says, it's funny you should say that. All of those people fell in love with you. And Daenerys is like, "John Snow's not in love with me. Besides, he's too short. Yeah. Well, meanwhile. Yeah. And then it's like another dagger. And, and I think, like, weirdly... You're starting to get a vibe from Tyrion, too, that's like, I know you'll never love me, but I love you. Like, I'm starting to get this little inkling that Tyrion's doing that thing where he transfers all the things he might also feel about Daenerys.
2: Into the other people.
0: Into the other people. That he might be in that category. It's just an
1: instinct. I I didn't catch that at all.
0: But I would say he's doing it in in the most self-aware way, which is he's like, I know you don't love me. I know you never will. But also probably somewhere in me is also this feeling.
1: Huh. Well, she also managed to get a stab in there about how he was wrong, like, numerous times yeah. in his efforts to try and, you know, like, lead these, uh, these armed rebellions and stuff like that. And so it, it, she's just tearing him down left and right. Right.
0: And also, he picks, like, the world's worst time to talk about a succession.
1: (laughs) P.S. Right. So he's like, you know, when we go, if you're going to be on the throne, you really need to pick a successor. And she's like, I'm not doing that until I'm on the throne. Yeah, but it would really look better if you had a successor chosen as you're making your case to be on the throne yeah, I'm not doing that to why I'm on the throne. It just The conversation does not go the way Tyrion wants it to. Also,
2: foreshadowing much?
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Anyway. Can we go back above the ball?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now we can stay there. So, they're right. talking.
1: This is where I fall asleep. No! No, literally, I fell asleep here. They're just walking and talking. I missed the bear the first
2: time.
0: Oh. Wow. Okay. Okay, so there was a bear. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a blue-eyed bear.
0: <laughs> and and Sandor Clegane freaks out about fire, mm-hmm. and Jorah kills it with a dragon glass dagger. Mm-hmm. So now Thoros, who's kind of the saucy drunk mystic, is in a lot of trouble, even though they're able to cauterize the wound.
1: Yeah, but I thought it was like zombies. You can't get bitten.
0: Uh, maybe it's like a zombie bear?
2: Well, at no time... Ha- oh, it still
0: doesn't happen till you die. Right.
2: At, right? at, at no time does, oh, does uh, do any okay. transformations happen to a living person. It's always a dead person being raised.
1: Got it. Mm-hmm. So, so if, as long as you keep him alive, it's okay. Now, did they also lose someone? I thought... I also noticed yeah. the red, shirts. red shirt died. Yep.
0: There were a bunch of red shirts that died. A yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: couple yeah. of them. And you kept thinking, oh, God, now it's someone who matters. But it was still just red shirt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, good thing is. they took all those people so other people could get killed.
0: Yeah. Did you guys talk about how
1: when John killed the one guy, it killed everybody that Super fell under the one guy? important. Right. You didn't talk about that.
0: that. We need to talk about that. That's super important. So basically, at one point, it became, if you kill the vampire that made the other vampires, all the vampires die. Mm-hmm. Buffy rules. <laughs> super important. So that is like a key reveal that we didn't know before. Is that? These are hereditary lines. It's like uh, it's also like uh, being controlled. Uh, the Avengers goons, right? They all drop dead. It's a quick way of ending a battle, mm-hmm. but also it's very important because now and you know catch up on that
1: too. Yeah, right. Like they figure, okay. So then, if there's a big guy in charge, then we definitely want that sword to go after the big guy in charge.
2: Right. Yeah. This, this episode is just full of uh, of, of Travel down geekhood.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. So then they uh, are talking, 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 walking, walking, walking. John tries to give um, Jorah's family's hereditary Valyrian steel sword back. I thought this was a really nice touch. And Jorah was like, "Nope, my dad wanted you to have it. It's yours now."
2: Yep. Also reminding you that the the Jorah uh, Joer Mormont refashioned the bear handle into a wolf handle, and that will come in play in a little bit on the detail I'm pretty sure both of you probably missed.
0: Mm. Okay. So, uh, they then see a small column of White Walkers, and they do an ambush, and it's kind of a bit of a battle, but they do get the Scooby-Doo prize that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right, and they do get him, and they capture him, and that's great. Except, uh oh, that small column was going to meet the entire army. Yeah,
2: there. I couldn't tell if this was a an advance party. Um, yeah. Or if 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 you know they were actually going back back to join. So yeah. But yeah, it was interesting, and they they got the one that they needed. So yeah. Um. But, consequences. Yeah, then they hear a rumble, and the rumble...
0: Is not in the jungle. It's not. <laughs> it's in the ice. It's in the middle of a lake.
2: They run out to this this, this rock, in, like a high point in, the, in a flat area. They find out that that's a lake because, oh, by the way, the water's frozen. They all run out there, and then the army basically surrounds them. This entire army of the dead surrounds them on all sides, on all surfaces, on all the mountains, and holy crap.
0: So John having realized that they just woke up the entire army um sends Gendry back. He's like, "Dude, somebody's got to go help us. Mm-hmm. You have to go run back. Take leave this very heavy hammer and run like all of our lives depend on it." And yep. so he does.
2: And I think it's I think it's interesting that the hound is actually the one that ends up with the hammer. Mm-hmm. Not not too long after he was just using a hammer and sledgehammer and everything else. To build that little monastery out in the middle of nowhere, so mm-hmm. he's probably the best equipped to use the hammer, and he does so really well once they start actually getting attacked.
0: How about them apples? All right, so then we get to the core moment of this entire episode, which is they basically get backed up by this army onto a rock in the middle of the water, mm-hmm. and the the water that is like still like the the ice is weak enough. Um, they're far enough South that the ice is not permanent, which I have a little bit of a hard time believing, but mm, okay. Um, and, uh, they stay on this one rock all night waiting to see if they'll be saved or whether they're going to have to fight this whole army and, uh, they're pretty stuck.
2: The the hound decides to throw a rock and hit one of the, one of the whites, what a ding dong. And then he's like, "Oh, that was fun." So he picks up another rock and throws it, and he doesn't throw it as far. It skids across the ice, and now they know the water's refrozen. So instead of coming on on mass and crushing uh, and splashing through the ice, they start coming tattered, you know, like one at a time towards the yeah. little island in the middle. And by that way, they can actually reach the, 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 the our party. And that yep. that's not so
0: good. Row row raggy. Yeah. Okay. So, meanwhile Gendry has run, 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 run back. And clearly it must not have been that far, which means the army's really close. It's at least it, it's at
2: least overnight because they do yeah. spend the full night on on the thing. And yeah. you know, I thought this was actually played out really well. At, at first thought it's like, oh, he just runs back and they weren't very far, blah, 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 blah. But when you consider it was overnight, he just kept running through the night. Mm-hmm. You know, this this young strapping man that has all this energy and is, isn't yeah. encumbered by this heavy hammer.
0: Yeah. So then, uh, it's the next morning and Thoris has died. So we're down a character mm-hmm. and then they burn his body so that he doesn't become a white
2: and, and a, then a great line from, uh, from the hound about, uh, uh, Derek, you should watch out. This is your last life.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, that is a video game, a video game throwaway there. Uh, so then, uh, Daenerys. We cut to Daenerys, who's just gotten the message. So you're seeing a lot of time compression here, which we, we have talked about. Uh, and then she's wearing her ice whites. Um, and Tyrion is like, please don't go. This is going to have a bad outcome. And she's like, I have to go. And also, I clearly love Jon Snow, and I don't <laughs> want him to die on a rock.
2: Can we just mention her outfit real quick?
0: I'm pretty sure they made it and where to come from.
2: I'm pretty sure it's they've spent just as much money on her costumes as they did some of the CG in earlier episodes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good costume. It's good. Good for her. She was like, go find me a seal. Um, Two seals.
2: And and something I didn't realize until I was watching a little video this morning, as she's gone through the through her cycle, her knots are getting in her hair are getting more Mm -hmm. and more elaborate. In the yep. Dothraki way of decorating when you win.
0: Cool. So, That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: little little tidbits.
0: All right. So all three dragons, including her baby that she's on, um, they fly off to go save Jon Snow. I mean everyone. Okay. So uh, now everybody's it's just like the chaos of battle. Jon is everybody's being attacked. Jon is falling back. Everybody's almost dying. The Hound uh, torment to almost dies. Yeah.
2: The Hound has to save Tormund.
0: Which is great, because nobody wanted... Like, I remember when Tormund was almost dragged under the ice, but we were screaming Yeah, when this happened. Like, we were like, no, Tormund, no! Like, we were screaming.
2: Yep. Yeah, it was, it was so, pretty insane.
0: at the last possible moment, when all hope seems lost, oosh, 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 Daenerys Targaryen roars in with her dragon fire. And uh saves the day, sort of. Except I mean,
2: technically it's a win, right?
0: Yeah, it's a win, <laughs> but at cost.
2: Yes. Uh they they lose one of their F sixteens, I mean dragons. Yep. And yep. uh the Night King knows exactly what he's doing. He go has one of his little lackeys go and pick up a a ice spear,
0: I guess. Yeah. A javelin? Sure. Yeah. Okay.
2: And he takes aim, like in the classic way. He like sizes it up with like his fingers and stuff, and then uh, throws it and hits Viserion, and right in right in the heart. And Viserion mm-hmm. goes down, flames everywhere, and everyone is completely shocked.
0: Like it is a moment of like, holy shit. Yeah. And the look on Daenerys' face is just incredible. Yeah, and um, this is
2: this is after Daenerys has landed with Drogon on the little island. People are starting to climb on board. She wants John to yep. come up first. He refuses. He goes out onto the ice to start fighting to give the others more time. Yep. And she has this moment of recognition that that's what he's doing. He's trying to give them more time, not necessarily sacrifice himself, but at least give them more time to get everyone out.
0: Yeah. Do you remember? We didn't talk about this in in um in this show yet. But do you remember the scene where um, Daenerys was like? everybody should like what they do. And John was like, I don't like what I do. And there was like that moment where it was like, not me. I don't like it. And yeah. now she sees that what he does is sacrifice himself to save people and kill people.
2: Yeah. He's, he's, and she says, uh, everyone loves what they're good at. Yeah. And he's like, so, I, I don't love what I'm good at.
0: Yeah. So basically he's dragged under the ice. She flees with everybody and the remaining dragons. Drogon dodges it. Everybody almost falls off the dragon, Dragon, but it's okay. And they go home, and everybody's sad. But later that night, or later, John climbs out of the ice, mm-hmm. and he's in a lot of trouble. And then, you're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. <laughs> Half-dead Benjen Stark shows up on horseback with a flaming flail, Yep, and he puts John on the horse and his uncle is overwhelmed. So imagine for a second thinking your uncle was dead or missing, finding out your uncle was alive and watching him die all within like 30 seconds.
2: Yep. And not that That's he was rough. overly conscious during this anyway. No. Cause he just climbed out of the water. And here's the detail that, that has had much speculation. And after watching it again, I think, I think it means more, or at least there's a subtle meaning there that, that no one had planned on. Um, When John erupts from the water, he reaches out and grabs ice, or grabs uh, uh, Longclaw, Mm -hmm. his sword. The wolf on the sword, his eye is closed. It's white. And then as soon as John erupts from the water and reaches towards it, the eye opens and turns black. (gasps) Now, everyone is, well, I don't say everyone. A lot of people have speculated, oh, that's just lighting. It's just a glimmer, something like that. But after watching it, it doesn't happen in like once John grabs the sword. It happens as he's erupting from the water.
0: Are you saying he warped into a sword?
2: I'm saying something crazy happened there. That there's more more there than than what we thought. Uh, that's my speculation. That's not something that's actually part of the show. But I thought that was very interesting. And upon watching it again, I'm certain there's more there than just a reflection or whatever they tried to blow it off as.
0: Hot damn. That's cool. It's worth now watching I'm have again. To go watch that haven't. scene yeah. again. Holy crap. Um wow. Okay. And then of
2: course he uses ice to help get or a uh, to help get him out. He used the uh, the, the guards, the, the hand yeah. guards to help climb out of the ice.
0: But, yeah. Holy shit. All right. So <sighs> back at Eastwatch, everybody's sad. Daenerys Sandor's is, yeah, yeah, Daenerys is sad. She's looking out over the thing and like Really, really sad. Jorah's sad, but also like, great. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. Let's not wait. <laughs> yep. But then, lo and behold, young John appears on a horse, suffering from hypothermia. A half-dead and... horse, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Half-dead.
2: They get him inside, And then, yeah.
0: they get on the ship, and they they take care of him, and then there's this really just spectacular scene it's a spectacular scene of an entire season of people uh finally understanding each other and yeah it's amazing like i almost don't even want to talk about it it's so amazing but i guess we have to like that is what we do john (laughs) that is what we do john wakes up he sees daenerys he says he's sorry she says don't apologize now she knows she's seen it And she says, and this is another important point that gets repeated a lot, the dragons are the only children I'll ever have. And she says, so I want to make that worth it. So together, we're going to destroy the Night Queen. And then there's this cute little bit where he calls her Danny, And she's like, yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Um, And then says, okay, would my queen be more appropriate? And then this is like this moment where she's like, oh, And then John's like, don't worry, everybody will like you like I do. And then they have this, like, moment where you think there's going to be a moment, and then she's like, no, you're dying, you should probably think. But what she does see are all those scars on his chest that makes it very clear that he definitely got knifed in the heart, literally.
2: Yep. Yeah, and and that was, that's how it actually opens, and that was, she focuses on the one over his heart, and it's not like a small wound. It's a pretty big wound. Like, I don't know. I don't know if a little dagger would do that, but apparently it did, and... Right. It's not something you can miss.
0: So it's very obvious. So now you'd think that would be where an episode would end. However, and I'm very curious to hear Richard's take on this. Oh, my God. So you get back to the frozen ice lake. You've got all these whites using chains to drag Vizarian's corpse out of the lake. And Richard, tell me what you thought of the zombie dragon.
1: (laughs) Well... As soon as they were pulling him out of the water, by the way, how did they do that if they can't touch the water? But that's another thing. As soon as they started pulling him out of the water, I'm like, oh, this is not good. (laughs) Because we've seen animals. We've seen giants. Clearly, they're going to be able to turn the dragon. And so it wasn't a surprise reveal at all when it happened.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like, uh, I don't know who, which whites went down there and like wrapped the chain around the neck, Mm -hmm. but they did.
2: So my theory on the whites not being able to go in water is really a lot simpler than, than we think. It's nothing mystical. They don't have a lot of flesh, so they can't swim.
0: Oh, they just sink.
2: Right. So they're not effective. And the reason that they were under the water and could reach up and grab Torment and start pulling him under is because he was right next to the island. So the water wasn't very deep right there. They could probably just pile up like they do on the walls. Hmm. So that is right. that's my thought process on that. It's not that they can't go through. It's just that it's not optimal.
0: Fair enough. I buy this. Uh, okay. So, and then the moment that it had everybody going, <laughs> But Richard saw coming. Uh, is that uh, the Night King walks over, puts his hand on Viserion, and Viserion's eyes snap open, and now he's a ice dragon.
2: Yes. And I'm sure this will be important.
0: Yes. This will come back. And also, it's interesting that it's the dragon named after Viserys, but that's just like a minor note. Like, of course that would be the dragon to bite it.
2: Well, the, um, the Drogon is Danny's dragon. So... Yeah. Like they have similars there, uh, Ray was it Raygon is named uh-huh. after after a, a very important character, Danny's brother.
0: Uh huh. Interesting that he doesn't have a writer. Okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, and and that name has come up already in this episode in a uh-huh. different form. And then we have Viserion, who is named after her shitty brother that
0: who got uh, fired burned gold fire burned to death in the first season yeah. and now this guy who's named after him gets ice fired back to life <laughs> Woo! that's, that's a- something
2: <laughs> yeah all right and that is that's the end of the episode that's that's the end of these two we just have the one left that has been released and man we're going to talk about that here in a few days and that's going to be amazing
0: holy smokes and then it'll be time for season eight which you know pretty cool
2: yeah, I'm super excited. All right, uh, Jenny, where can people find you?
0: Well, as it turns out, uh, a lot of the same places you are. So in addition to uh, the Let's Talk About Thrones, Anthony and I work on a project called Talking Feds. And I can report exclusively, even though it will have already come out, that Anthony's getting a credit this time. It got recorded. So, uh, he does a lot of hard work on there as an excellent editor and also a producer who made some really impossible technical things happen on our last episode. And, uh, yeah. So check out talkingfeds.com for a new podcast that's all about, you know, the Mueller report and other federal investigations. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and don't forget infinitegame.co for all, oh, yeah. all the other stuff you do. That's right. And you can find me, uh, I'm going to point you to, uh, uh com because that's where everything that I do links to essentially, um.
0: Cool. All right, Richard?
1: At the usual place, Twitter's probably the best one. I am at Richard Gunther, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-G-U-N-T-H-E-R. And I have lots to say there, including promoting all these episodes because, you know, we're... Anthony over here is getting them out every friggin' day as we catch up.
0: Unbelievable. And are you excited? This next episode that we're going to do, we're going to talk about the last available episode of Game of Thrones.
1: I know. It's crazy. It's, I, I can't believe that we've t- done this many episodes now. I'm very excited and can't wait for season eight. And then
2: me, Jenny and I can spill all the things we've been holding back all this time.
1: Ah! <laughs> Anthony's so conscious, he corrected himself before he finished saying me and Jenny. (laughs) I make him really nervous about that.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, tune in next time for another episode of Let's Talk About Thrones, the episode, the episode you've all been waiting for. Talk to you next week. R-A-T-U-A-L-M-I-S-E-L-Y Okay, so, uh, from all of us to all of you, uh, we will talk soon about one of the most exciting episodes that, uh, you know, I've ever seen on television. No big. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you next week. Okay. Have fun editing that. Oh my God. Sorry.